0: Father, in the midst of life, in the midst of the craziness, we just want to take a moment to commune with you, Lord. A moment to hear from you. Steady our hearts, steady our minds. And may, may your message come through loud and clear, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Booker T. Washington, the notable black educator from the 19th century, one day he was walking the streets of a predominantly white neighborhood in Alabama when he was stopped by a woman. And the woman not knowing who he was approached him and said, would you like to earn some extra dollars by chopping some wood for me? And because he had no pressing business at the moment, Professor Washington smiled and rolled up his sleeves and proceeded to go to work, proceeded to do the humble chore that this Lady had requested of him. When he was finished, he carried the logs inside the house and put them there, placed them neatly next to the fireplace, and then left. A little girl who was in the house immediately recognized who he was and told the lady later on. And the next morning, the lady was at his office embarrassed at the confusion and uh, misunderstanding and apologize profusely for the misunderstanding. Mr. Washington said, Oh, no, don't, don't worry. He said, It's perfectly all right, madam. In fact, I enjoy a little manual labor every now and then and, and also it is always a delight to do something for a friend. She shook his hand warmly and assured him that his meek and gracious attitude had endeared him and his work to her heart. And not long afterwards, she showed um, her admiration by persuading some very wealthy acquaintances of her to join her in donating thousands of dollars to his school, the Tuskegee Institute. It has been said that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. But humility goes beyond just being nice in order to get what you desire. Andrew Murray perhaps said it best in his book, Humility. He says, the humble man feels no jealousy or envy. He can praise God when others are preferred and blessed before him. He can bear to hear others praised and himself forgotten because he has received the spirit of Jesus who pleased not himself and sought not his own honor. Andrew's words mirror very closely the words of of Paul in Philippians 2, last half of uh, verse 5 through 8. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. We spoke about that last week, didn't we? And coming in the likeness of of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Humility as an honorable quality was a very foreign concept to the Greco-Roman society of ancient times. Humility in those times was equal to shame, or defeat, destruction, you would humiliate the enemy. The good qualities that were honorable was never humility. John Dixon says in his book Humilitas, that honor was the ultimate acid and shame the ultimate deficit. Much of life in those days revolved around ensuring that you and your family received public honor and at all costs avoid public shame. So in other words, a father's least concern for his son was that he would get a good job or that he would be happy or that he would live a fulfilled life. But instead, the main concern was that he would bring honor to the family and not shame. This was the mindset of the society in which Jesus taught and also the mindset of those to whom Paul is speaking to in Philippians. God worked through Moses in order to teach his people how to show honor by serving each other unlike those societies and cultures that were surrounding them. And now Paul is sharing something that may be groundbreaking or even mind-blowing, life-altering to his audience in Philippi. Humility went against every fiber of their being, against everything their culture had taught them. See, when Jesus came to this world, he came to turn it upside down, right? Those things that were considered honorable, now Jesus says, no. Humility, that's the honorable thing. And although Paul's letter to the Philippians carries a much gentler and friendlier tone than that, let's say, of uh, Corinthians, a church that he wrote to because they were so divided and arrogant, that is not the case in Philippi as we know it. And that's not to say that the church was exempt from trouble and problems. There were people still who were uh, struggling with the concept of humility. And although these problems had not escalated to the trouble in Corinth, Paul is taking a preventative measure here in order to not see a repeat of that which he saw in Corinth. So Paul hears a report that there are two women in Philippi that just cannot agree with each other. They're at odds with each other. And he never tells us the problem. He never tells us specifically what is going on. But what is important is, he says to them, that they take a proactive role in their situation and do not allow this to escalate anymore to the point where it may cause division in the church. I find it interesting that this is mentioned at the very end of the book of Philippians in chapter 4 because Paul has spent most of his time describing to the church the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit he modeled for each and every one of us. Christ did not hold hold on to his reputation. He did not hold on to his honor. Instead, the qualities he sought to, for himself and to emulate for others were humility and servanthood. A bondservant, says Paul, to God, obedient to the point of death. Paul says to his audience and particularly these two women who are fighting, you want to talk about unfairness? Jesus, he was equal to God the Father, yet he did not think of himself and what would benefit him, but instead he thought of others. That is, in essence, the definition of humility. Holding on to your power for the benefit of others. Paul says to the church in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, he says this is the mind of Christ and the attitude we should have. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Then he goes on to the end of the letter, and uh, he's he's directing this to the two ladies as well. Chapter four, verse two. He says, "I implore Eudia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord." So, whatever the issue is, he's saying to them, "Look to Jesus' example." It doesn't matter what the problem it is, when you look at the example of Jesus' humility and not the idea of honor and reputation that you've been taught from birth, that will tell you what you need to do. This idea of honor will only cause strife, will only cause division. Ask yourself, what is your motive? Paul is, in essence, is saying, what is your motive? Is it selfish? If it is, surrender that thought to God and pursue humility, just like Jesus Christ did. And Paul doesn't leave them to figure this out on their own, but he goes in specific and says in chapter four, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, tell God what your needs are and let him be the caretaker. Tell God what your needs are and trust that he will supply them. Then he says in verse 8 through 9 in chapter 4, here's one more piece of advice for you in order to achieve the mind of Christ. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned, which you have received, which you have heard from me and seen in me, these do. And the God is, And the God of peace will be with you. So because of uh, every single one of his audience, grew up in this culture that was saturated with the need for honor and public praise. Paul literally had to break it down for them, come down to the basics for them in order for them to understand the mind of Christ, the attitude of Christ. So here Paul reminds, of, reminds them of the times that he visited with them. And he felt confident that he had shown them an example of how he imitated Jesus Christ, and therefore they should imitate his example because he was imitating Jesus Christ. And he says, meditate on those things. There is no greater way to teach someone than by example. If you want your kids to have humility, then you need to act humble. Apologize if it's necessary. Yeah, to a seven-year-old, it's the hardest thing. I know, I've had to do it many times. You lose your temper. I'm so sorry, I should not have reacted that way. There is no greater teacher than your example. Modeling uh, humility at home, in the office, with your loved ones, with your friends, your example is far more of a powerful speech than anything that can come out of your mouth. So Paul tells them, follow my example because I follow Jesus' example. And then he says, there is a lot of good in this world. It is still the Father's world, as the song says. But our job is to compare everything that we see good and noble and pure and lovely in this world and measure that against the perfect example that Jesus left for us. And if it measures and if it holds up, then meditate on that think on that be transformed by that when you think when you meditate when you remember christ's example your whole life your whole mindset changes for the better. You know, we're building character every single day, whether we are intentional about it or not. Everything we see, everything we hear, everything we experience internalizes in us and either becomes part of our character or it doesn't. And so Paul is saying to his audience, be intentional about building the character in your life be intentional about remembering and following and meditating christ's example because as you meditate in that it becomes part of who you are and so today we're going to do something remember we're going to remember what christ did on the cross that is what communion is remembering not only what Christ did and his example of humility and obedience to God but also what that sacrifice means for us. It means that we don't have to worry about our own honor and seeking our own uh, reputation and our own praise because Christ has already earned the highest honor, the greatest, the greatest honor that could ever be, and because of that, that is enough for us. That should be enough for us. He calls um, his, and uh, he calls us his, and that should be enough for us. We don't have to seek our own reputation, our own honor because Christ's honor is enough. We have nothing to fear because God, Jesus already overcame sin and he already overcame death for us. And so now all we have to do is follow his example and live According to that, this makes us free. His sacrifice makes us free of the need of honor because then our honor goes to him. That place of honor belongs to Jesus Christ. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you all to come up to the front and collect the emblems, which, by the way, are both in the same container. And as you do that, as you do that, I'm going to invite you to think about anyone in your life that you may be struggling to make amends with, maybe struggling to forgive, maybe struggling to um, come to an agreement with. Maybe God is calling you to take that initial humble step and so, maybe as a spouse, or maybe a friend, co worker, a boss, a parent. And so, I invite you, if the answer does not immediately come to mind, that as we begin communion, that we will ask God to bring those to mind that we may take the humble step of approaching people in a Christ-like manner, in a Christ-like attitude, in a Christ-like mindset. And like Paul's advice, be of the same mind of Christ. Do not wait another day. Do not wait for the other person to take the first step. Free your heart from the burden of anger and strife. If pride is the problem, then surrender that pride to him and ask Jesus to help you live by his example. Meditate on all things that are pure, that are lovely, that are gentle, that are lovely, that are praiseworthy. And through that, ask God to change your hearts, to change your mind, to be more like his. And so, as the music plays, I'm going to invite you to come to the front and collect the emblem. And let's wait for everybody to all partake together.